We'll take your Bibles tonight and we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter number 15. 1 Samuel chapter number 15. <clears throat> well, we came to get in, not to get out, right? Church, I mean, we came to get in, not to get out. <clears throat> what did Brother Sam always say? I know what time it is. Just don't care. Is that what he said? <laughs> Something like that. No, we want to get this here tonight. Okay, 1 Samuel and uh, chapter number 15. <clears throat> and uh, we'll, let's begin our reading in verse number 9, then we'll jump down a little bit further. Just want to make sure that we're um, catching back up. It's been a while since we've been in 1 Samuel due to different things going on. And, and so uh, we're going to be here tonight and doing a, a little bit of review, making sure everybody remembers what this is about. 1 Samuel 15 and uh, verse number 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag. Uh, in fact, verse 8 says that he took Agag. Uh, verse 8 does about Saul. And he was supposed to wipe them out, all the Amalekites, because of what they did way back when Israel left the land of Egypt. But here's what Saul did. And the people, they spared Agag and, and the best of the sheep and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was what? Good. They got selective in their obedience to God. You can't be selective in obedience to God. You can't say, well, I'll obey this, but I won't obey that. But that's what they were doing. I, I want to keep the best for myself. And would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuge, that, that they destroyed utterly, utterly. In other words, things they didn't really want, no problem. They took care of it. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me, God says, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Now, for the sake of time, uh, let's drop down to verse 18. And the Lord sent sent the, uh, Samuel is speaking to Saul, trying to reason with him and help him to understand just how uh, grievous this was to God because sin is grievous to God. And he, said, he says, and the Lord sent thee on a journey. In other words, God gave you a mission, Saul, and you didn't perform it right. He sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, Notice this, but did us fly upon the spoil and did us evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, yea, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. You ever done that? Said something like that. I've, I did what God said. <clears throat> you had to have a little whiny voice when you said that too, right? <laughs> I did what God said. And have gone the way which the Lord sent me. And I brought Agag, the king of, the, of Malak, Amalek and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, there it is. The people, they took of the spoils, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice him unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. I even gave it a little spiritual spin on it. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And to be and behold, or behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. There's no amount of sacrifice or service that will make up for a lack of obedience to God. 
You never do it. And to hearken than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness, hard-headedness, stubbornness, it says here, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Everybody see that? All right, now let's read verse 24. Please follow along very closely as we do. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. Well, boy, I wish it just was that that he said. But he went on, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Well, that's all right, right? And thy words. Well, that's all right. But look at this. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You know what he's saying right there? It's really their idea. Repentant or not repentant, what would you say? Not. Now, now, notice verse 25. Everybody still tuned in here? All right, verse 25. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee. For thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned about to go away. And he, Saul, laid hold upon the skirt of his, or Samuel's mantle, or his robe, and it rent, it tore. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine, that is better than thou, and also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. I remember Brother Sam preaching, maybe you do too, maybe you've heard this. Man re God repents and man repents, but God doesn't repent like man repents. Why? Because God doesn't do anything wrong. So when it says it repenteth God that he made Saul king, it's just simply saying, I've got to operate, I've got to deal with Saul in a different way than I would like to. It would grieve God. Nonchalant or nonchalance is not an attribute of God. He's not like, eh, win some, lose some. Nope, he's not. He's not that way. I purposed in my mind just to read this and here I go preaching while you're standing. <clears throat> For he's not a man that he should repent, latter part of verse 29, verse 30. Then he said, I have sinned. He said that again. Please notice this, verse 20, 29 or 30. Yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul. I want to explain that as we get to it in just a moment. And Saul worshiped the Lord. Then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past? <laughs> Samuel said, nope. Well, he didn't say no. Verse 33, as thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Notice these sad verses here in verse 34 and following, or 35. Then Samuel went to Ramah and saw 
went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. They went their separate ways, the man of God and the king of Israel. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. I'd like to have your attention here tonight as we consider this passage. I appreciate that you've already followed along and allowed me to make some comments in the midst of the reading. But I want to preach to you tonight on this title, The Burden of Keeping Up Appearances. The Burden of Keeping Up Appearances. God will not play along with your lack of genuine repentance. God will not play along with your lack of genuine repentance, the burden of keeping up appearances. May God bless the reading of his word. I pray that God would help us here tonight to consider this uh, together. <clears throat> you know, I think about uh, kids pretending. I, I, uh, I, did, I did so as a kid, you know, I'm sure that you did as well. Um, and, uh, you know, kids, kids pretend they play act, you know, uh, um, I think because they have those aspirations like, well, someday I want to grow up <laughs> and I want to grow up to be a, and so you have kids, you know, that they uh, act like they're an astronaut or they act like maybe they're a major league baseball player. That, that was my, uh, my deal. I thought, <laughs> I thought for sure that I'd be in the major leagues at this point, but um, nope. <laughs> And, uh, but I'm telling you at my grandparents' house, uh, you know, this, uh, this pine tree was home plate and then this, this, uh, oak tree was first and then we had second and third and then there was the fence and we were swinging for the fence. We had a dugout, you know, where my grandparents had a row of shrubs and it, I mean, it was just like a dugout. We'd come out like we were, you know, the, the Cincinnati Reds, uh, at that time as a kid. And then I got on the Mets bandwagon that, that took me down a long road. And so. Anyways, uh, but man, I wanted to be just like at, that, at a certain time. I want to be, I want to be just like Johnny Bench, you know, as a catcher. Man, I, I love, I love catching. I mean, he had the baseball bunch. I don't know if any of you ever watched the baseball bunch, but I'd watch every Saturday, and and they'd have different ones coming on, you know, like the Wizard, you know, uh, Ozzy Smith on how to play shortstop. And man, I'd I try to play shortstop like Ozzy Smith, and I'd play catcher like Johnny Bench. I try to slide like Pete Rose. You know, what Pete is as as your as your running man, Charlie Hustle. He's running and he'd hit, slide head first. Oh yeah, especially if it was a good rain around the house and we'd slide head first. My brother cut his foot real bad doing a Pete Rose and a slide. Well, you shouldn't do everything Pete Rose did. <laughs> Anyways, I was pretending like I was Pete Rose or man, I was like one of these uh, great baseball players and, and knocking it to the fence. And, and, but then, you know, I think about little girls playing and acting like they're a mom and taking care of a little, little baby and, 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 and cooking a meal and, and maybe being a, a chef. Or, you know, I, I've eaten a lot of little uh, plastic hamburgers. <laughs> Haven't you? I've been over at people's house and they've got one of those little, little deals, you know, a little kid and, and they bring you out the burger and you, oh man, this is good, you know, and you're pretending playing right along with them, right? I'll never forget going to uh, home and, and uh, the little girl, she probably was two or three and it was tea time. Now look, I've got three boys. We, we don't know anything about tea time unless, you know, we're doing something related to golf. And so I, I sat down in this little bitty chair and held, you know, the little teacup and, and held my pinky out. And then what you do? I don't know. I'm just trying 
And so anyways, it was tea time. I was pretending like, oh, that's so good. So good. And the cookie. <laughs> I mean, you got to do a little bit of a British accent in there somewhere, right? And, and man, it's so good. And I just, I played along with it, you know? And, and so they, they wanted to, to do that, you know? And then, and then I think about uh, probably every kid growing up in church at some point has either played church, right? And, or a group, of, a group of your friends or your siblings together. And, and um, uh, I know Angie and her family played that. Did you preach, Angie? No, okay, I didn't know. Uh, Jody would preach and Angie played the piano, I think it was, and Becca got saved over and over and over and over and over. So anyways, you know, it's really awesome them playing church and, and our boys have done that, you know, with rescue heroes. You got the preacher in the pulpit and, and all these things. Hey, look, it's, I think it's awesome when a kid's pretending. Uh, I'm not gonna mention who it is, but uh, had one of the kids here about six years old, I believe, uh, was playing with uh, trucks or cars and, and it was a church service. And so whatever the person, whatever truck or car they drove, you know, they, he had a car that represented that. So mine was a red truck. And I kept rolling off the table and not participating like I should with his church service. And he said, Brother Gaddis, would you please cooperate? <laughs> I love it. His mom was sharing that with us. I just absolutely love that story. Brother Gaddis, please cooperate. So anyways, hey, look, here's what I'm saying. Playing church is cute at three. Playing church is cute at five and six. Playing church is cute as a kid. Playing church is not good as an adult. Hope we're not just dressed up here tonight. All dressed up, you know, just like we used to as a kid, just pretending, putting on, putting on our, our, our act, you know, and and uh, because I'm telling you, friend, listen, God doesn't play along with somebody that's playing church. God doesn't play along with somebody that's playing church. Here, here's what I hadn't noticed in 1 Samuel before as I've read through the account. I, I never had really paid attention to what Saul was acting, asking rather Samuel to do. But he was saying to, to Samuel, listen, I, I know that I've sinned. I've sinned. He said that, right? That's good. He needed to acknowledge that. Up to this point, he hadn't really acknowledged that. He said, well, you know, the people wanted to spare them. Well, verse, verse number eight said he spared Agag. Well, in the other verse, he says, you know, the people wanted to spare him. So there's a lot of evidence here that Saul's not truly repentant. Now, now listen, listen carefully here tonight, because I think it can help everyone here. Look, we're all going to mess up. We all have messed up. We've all sinned. We've come short of the glory of God. Um, and that's a real deal that we're all going to deal with. But, but when, when God confronts you about your sin or he uses somebody to expose that you've been one way in church but another way in private, You've been, you've been one way in Sunday school, but totally different at the workplace. God, um, God's not into us keeping up appearances. And um, Samuel had confronted Saul, and Saul said, "Look, I, I've sinned." I've broken the commandments and I went against your word. 
But I, I want you to look at again what he said. Would you please, please follow along here as we tie into the text a little bit more. Look at, at, um, at verse number uh, 25, because I, in verse 24, because I fear the people. So again, you can see some blame shifting. Since we've already dealt with that, I'd, I'd like to just move on. But, but let, me, let me say this. All right, look, if you keep blaming everybody else and your circumstances for your wrong, you're never going to grow and you can't fulfill what God is doing in your life. And, and that's where Saul was. So verse 25, now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again, turn again with me. Okay, drop down, if you would, to verse number 30. He says, then he said, I have sinned. You're right. You're right, preacher. You're right, prophet. You're right, man of God. I have sinned, yet honor me now. Everybody see that? Honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel. Again, verse number 25, turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Verse number 30, again, the latter part, turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. You say, wait a minute, Brother Gaddis, what's so wrong with him worshiping the Lord? Are you listening to this tonight? What's so wrong with him worshiping the Lord? Not a thing, he ought to worship God. He just shouldn't pretend about it. I'm convinced that Saul was much more interested in things getting back to normal than he was in things getting back to right. He was busted. You know, when you get busted, sometimes you, you know what I mean by busted, you're found out. When you get busted, sometimes you think, man, this is, this is bad and you're sad about it and you ought to be sad about it. But let me ask you this question. Are you sad about it because of what you're going to lose? Are you sad about it because you're going to lose your phone again? Are you sad about it because, because, um, because it's going to be kind of cold around the house for a while? Are you sad about it because you might even lose your job? Are you sad about it because you're, you may even get dismissed from school? Are you sad about it because, uh, because you're going to look bad at church? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I think Saul was much more concerned about how he would appear before the people than how he would appear before God. But I'm telling you tonight, the biggest, biggest thing in your life is not how you appear before us, but how someday you'll appear before God and how you appear before God right now. He wasn't truly repented. Hold your place here. Would you please hold your place? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number seven. 2 Corinthians chapter number seven, because if you don't need this right now, there will be a day that you do. There's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. There's a difference between godly repentance, true biblical repentance and, and a false repentance. Okay, we need to see this, don't we? 2 Corinthians 7, 2 Corinthians 7 says this, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire. Okay, so this is Paul talking about when Titus came among the Corinthians. And as Paul had, had to deal with some things that was in their, in their church life, I'm looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 7. He says, I sent Titus and he came back and gave us a good report. 
that you got some things right with God. Hey, that's a blessing. When you genuinely get some things right with God, and he, and he says here, he told us about your earnest desire. Notice this, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, because when you get things right with God, you have a, you have a, you have a desire to be around the man of God, around the preacher. It's not like you're trying to avoid him or avoid them. Spiritual people that are right with God don't avoid spiritual leaders in their life or spiritual people in their life. Carnal people try to stay away from them. Is this making sense? Okay, so he says, your desire towards me. All right, uh, now we're at verse number eight. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent. In other words, he's saying, I didn't really want to, I didn't really want to deal with you about this, but I knew that I needed to. For I perceive that the same epistle, this was a hard letter that he had to write, the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice. I'm reading verse 9. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, of course, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to what? Repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, and that ye might receive dam that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. Notice verse number ten. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. All right, here's what he's saying: there is a sorrow that is still self-centered, and then there is a sorrow that is. God-centered. And until you get to the place where you are sorry towards God, it's only a matter of time until you go back into sin because the worldly sorrow is centered in yourself. And as soon as your pain's over, you'll go right back to what you were doing. All right, let's go back to 1 Samuel now. With that in mind, 1 Samuel 17 again. Please, please hang with me here. Please bear with me as we, we work through this. I want you to see again, verse 25, he says to Samuel, Samuel, please turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And again, in verse 30, he says the same thing. So it, would you agree? It's extremely important to Samuel. Sorry. It's very important to Saul that Samuel go with him. Why? Why? It would make it look like Saul is still okay with God. Appearance. Please, Samuel. Don't look, don't, I know I've done wrong, Samuel, but listen, if, if, if Israel understands this, I'm, I'm going to lose control. If, if Israel understands this, I, they're not going to respect me anymore as king. Well, really, he should have thought about that before, Right? Samuel, listen, if you don't go with me, the elders, think about the elders of Israel. Think about, think about all that's on the line here, Samuel. Please, you've got to go with me. You've got to make me look right. I thought about it this way, church. It's propped up spirituality. He didn't have real spirituality on his own. It was propped up. And it was only propped up as long as Samuel was around. In fact, we're going to see the train come off the rails after Samuel is out of Saul's life because he's going to do some really weird things. It's propped, you know what I mean by propped up spirituality? It's the appearance. 
Please go with me, Samuel. But David, you're close by. Would you help me? Please, let's, all right. Now, I, listen, church, I'm just going to be real, real, real with you here tonight. All right? Not that I'm not in other times. Okay? <laughs> but I, I fear sin. I've got two accountability partners. I've got one that I meet with in January and one in June. I've got another one I meet with in March and in October. Because I don't want to mess up. But I'm made of the same stuff anybody else is. And I can fall just like anybody else could fall. I don't want to mess up. I want to stay on target. That's why it's January and June and March and October. It's like a crosshair. I want to stay on target. See it? I fear sin. I fear messing up. I fear it for my family. I fear it for my sons. I fear it for this church. And, and if, you're, if we're all thinking right, it's not just the preacher that ought to think that way. It's every member of this church that ought to think that way. But, but let's say for the sake of the illustration, say I've messed up financially or morally or however it is. And I say to Brother David, Brother David, I know this is wrong, but come on, we got to go to the platform. It's time to preach. It's Sunday morning. Can you imagine? Well, that's putting him in a wrong spot, isn't it? But how wrong, let's just play that out, Brother Dave, if you would come with me for the sake of illustration. Let's, let's play that out. And I, I come up here and I take my position and I, and I look like, I, this is a hard illustration for me to give. But I, I stand here, if you want to stand there, um, sit here in the chair, and we, we sit up here and, and everything looks like it's all okay. Unfortunately, church, there's a lot of churches. I say a lot. There are churches in America that are just like this. Financial in, infidelity, moral infidelity. But I'm telling you, it's a burden to keep up appearances. God didn't call us to keep up appearances. We need to be who you really are. Is this making sense to you? But there's been preachers that have come to the pulpit. Listen to me. And, and I'm telling you before God and, and you as a witness, my conscience is clear. I'm not in sexual sin. I'm thankful to God for that. And I'm not in money, sin and so forth. And in fact, that's what helps to come and preach here. But I can't fathom what it's like to come here and try to preach about morality and all the while being in an adulterous relationship. But there are people in America that have done that. And it's devastating. And it's a burden. And it's not right because it's a burden to keep up appearances. But that's exactly what Saul wanted Samuel to do. Come on, Samuel. Play along with me. Let's dress up. Let's dress up. Let's act like everything's okay. Knowing all the time it's not okay. Well, let me ask you this. If it's not right for a preacher to do that, is it any... More okay or right for you to do that? It's not, is it? We're in the same situation. Thank you, Brother David. You can have a seat. But that's exactly what Saul was wanting Samuel to do. What Saul really needed was repentance. But what he was given attention to was pretense. Is this making sense to you? He was pretending when he should have been repenting. Please, Samuel, go along with me on this. You know what Samuel said? I'm not going along with you, Saul. 
You know why? Hang on, hang on. Because you say, well, I think he eventually did. Yeah, but, but listen, here's what, he, here's what Saul, I'm getting these names mixed up. Can you keep it straight in your mind even if I say the wrong thing? Mercy sakes alive. <clears throat> Samuel said this, I'm not going along with you, Saul, because you need to understand God's not changing his mind on this. And if I go along with you and I pretend with you, then you're going to think that God has changed his mind and suddenly God's going to let you continue as king. And you need to be very clear in your mind that you have no hope of continuing as a king. And God already has somebody else picked out that's a man after his own heart because God is looking for somebody that's not just a king in appearance. He's looking for somebody that's a king at heart. Because appearances don't matter with God as much as the heart matters with God. Now, appearance is important. Don't get me wrong on that because we'll see that in 1 Samuel chapter number 16. But listen to this. God cares about what's going on in the heart, not just a facade. And Samuel says, listen, Saul, I'm not going to go along with that because you'll get in your mind that, that somehow this is okay and you would be too nonchalant about it. And, you're, and it's like you're trying to get back to normal. You're just trying to get back to the game. You're just trying to get back to the play acting. And listen, God won't go along with that, Saul. He's made his mind up. He's made the decision. In fact, God wanted, listen to this, God wanted to deal with you in blessing, but now he must deal with you in chastisement. And it's not God's fault, Saul. It's your fault. You put yourself here in a place where God must deal with you this way and you cannot be king but wait a minute wait a minute very carefully hear this even though he could no longer continue as king he could have continued as a man that would have been right with God as a man not as a king he lost that but he could have been right with God as a man if he had repented There are sins that a person commits that disqualifies them from being a pastor. But it does not disqualify them from being a Christian. And I'm thankful I know some men that, that maybe cannot serve as a deacon or serve as a pastor, but they are faithfully serving in their local church even after a big fall. You know why? Because they stopped pretending and they got to a place of true repentance. Because what matters is not your appearance before men, but your appearance before God. And if you get this right, this will be right. And so Samuel said, I'm not going along with it. So we're not going to act like everything's okay when it's really not. In church, that's why sometimes some people come out of the choir. That's why sometimes people come out of a teaching role. That's why sometimes some people come off of a bus route, even for a while, just to get them back on. Because we're, we don't need to act like everything's okay when it's really not. Students, you listen to this tonight. You're about to go, you're about to go home. You're going, to be, you're going to be away from the rules. I want to, I want to ask you this. And, and not, just, not just heartless students. I'm talking to every, every young man, every young woman here that grew up in a Christian home. And you got the appearance. I mean, you know how to dress up. You know how to pretend. You know, you know how to act the act. You know how to sing the songs. You know all those things. I want to ask you, what will you be like on the, when you're back home and there's nobody else around to hold you accountable? What will you be like at 12 o'clock at night? I tell you what, do it at 12 o'clock at night. Go to sleep. Unless you got to work or something, go to sleep. 
What will you be like when you're, when, when you're out on your own? What will you be like when you're on that, that university campus and it's just you and you're no longer at Southwest Baptist Church? Will you make church a priority in your life? Or will you get out of church once you get away from your family? Listen, you need a, 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 a spirituality that is you standing in the grace and the strength of God, not leaning and propped up by the Samuels of your life. You may just be pretending and you need to be repenting and saying, I'm messed up here and there's nobody else's fault but my own. And I take responsibility for it. And I realize now just how deadly that way of thinking was and how devastating that it was. And I'm asking God to forgive me and I'm asking you to forgive me. And I want to get back on track. Hey, listen, God can bless that kind of a man or woman. But somebody that says, nobody will ever know. And I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. God doesn't deal with that. He doesn't play along. So Samuel made it very clear to Saul. This is not going to work for you to be king. I want you to understand that. And, and listen, it, he had to deal with Saul right then. But it wasn't quite time to make that known and deal with it before the people. And so I think that's the reason why Samuel did go ahead and go with Saul I don't think Samuel was in sin there. I don't think he was, he was trying to pull the wool over the people's eyes. It just wasn't the right time to deal with it right then, but he would deal with it. But it broke Samuel's heart. Because religious pretenders break hearts. This is a heavy message. Be honest with you, on bus day, I thought, how about we go to chapter 16 and we'll find a little boy named David with a little sling. But if we're really going to help people the way I think God and know God wants us to be helping others, we've got to be genuine and real. And we're only sinners saved by the grace of God. But don't treat your sin like it's a light thing. Like, yeah, 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 I know I messed up. But man, when do I get my job back? Yeah, 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 I know I messed up. But when do I get, when do I get to teach again? Yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. But, but when, do I, when, when do I get to move back in the house? God's looking for Repentance. Saul wanted Samuel to accompany him to the place of worship to keep up the appearance that he was right with the Lord. But he really wasn't right with the Lord. I'll close with this thought because it's very important. When you try to do God's will without a relationship with God, it'll be a burden to you because you're trying to keep up that appearance. I think that happens to young people growing up in church because they know what everybody expects of them and then they don't have a relationship with God and they do all the outward things that are right, but they don't have a real relationship with God. And somewhere you'll get disillusioned by that until you personally get a relationship with God. It's sad to me that Samuel left Saul He'd have to continue on in his life without any word from God. 
without that spiritual influence in his life. I'm saying to you tonight, listen, whatever you've done, wherever you are, don't pretend when you need to repent. You got it? Don't pretend when your real need is to repent. Don't go on acting like it'll be okay when you really need to get right with God. Father, uh, thank you tonight. I pray even in the midst of this sobering passage, it's caused me really to stop and think about spiritual life and the problem of trying to perform without a relationship. And so God, I pray that you'd help us not to be just concerned about our reputation, to be concerned about our character that comes from a relationship with you. God, I pray that you'd help tonight that those that need to get some things right with you. Maybe even this weekend at the men's advance, you really dealt with some men about some hidden sin. And God, I know that they, unless they are willing to really deal with that, they won't be able to keep up the pretense and the appearance for the long run. And God, I pray that you'd help them not to have a desire just to get back to normal, but to have a real deep desire to go back to where they were wrong and get it right. God, I pray that you'd help families here tonight, ladies here tonight as well, that maybe need to get some things right in their life. God, I, I don't know, I don't know just exactly who specifically that you're speaking to tonight, but I trust you and I trust your word to do the work, God. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to draw close to you and not pretend, but to really repent and get things right with you. In Jesus' name, amen.